0: Today is Tuesday, March 16th, and we're again talking about the higher Christian life, trying to find some truths that we can hold on to, to move us from maybe the plateau we're at right now into the stratosphere, soaring with eagle's wings in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about D.L. Moody and the experience he had with the Holy Spirit and how it changed and revolutionized his entire life. And today is, again, continuing the part of our foundation, we're going to talk about Oswald Chambers and Andrew Murray and the amazing experience they had with the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I, I want you to know that if you were to take all these Great men of God who we've been looking at and I've been talking about on church for the last six or seven months and summarize their experience together, they all seem to form some sort of pattern. Uh, Their experiences vary, yet there's an underlying current that's all the same first of all as they got saved. They believed in the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. They devoted their life to Him. They felt called into Christian ministry, yet they were burdened with their inability to be able to live what they saw as a victorious Christian life, as the overcoming life that we see in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. They were beset by sins they couldn't get rid of. They had things of the flesh that seemed to drag them down all the time. Their thought life was in the gutter. And even though they lived at different times, they ministered to different people, they were in different countries and spoke different languages and were separated in time by sometimes a century, it seems this pattern always persisted. Then they came to an understanding of what is called the higher Christian life, an understanding that the Holy Spirit is more than just a deposit and guarantee for your salvation, but the Holy Spirit is something and someone who can help you, empower you to live a victorious life here on earth. If you remember the verse I shared with you from the book of Jude on Sunday, now to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. That's who our God is. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He can keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of God. When they realized that that life was possible, which is what I'm hoping this week you will come to the same understanding, that that life is possible, that that life is attainable, that it's something that since God is no respecter of persons, if He can do it for this person, that He can certainly do it for me, if it's possible— then it's something I need to strive for, and it's something I want to incorporate in my life. And until I have that fullness of the Holy Spirit, my life somehow seems like I haven't arrived, like I've fallen short, like there's something more there that I haven't experienced. Every one of these men and women experienced that understanding of this deeper life, and then they found themselves miserable. They found themselves wanting nothing more than to experience that life. If you remember from yesterday, when I was reading the testimony of D.L. Moody, the Chicago fire hit, burnt one-third of the city, and absolutely destroyed all of D.L. Moody's ministry. And so he went out east to talk to some of the bankers and some of his heavy donors in New York, and he said that he didn't feel like begging, that all he wanted to do was cry. But he wasn't crying because of the loss that took place in Chicago. He was crying for the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. And then... Every one of these men and every one of these women who go through this dark night of the soul, that go through this time of recognizing where they are and where they want to be and waiting on God and His sovereignty to grant them this, as they call it, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, once that happened, their experiences varied, but there was a an energy, a, a love, a power, a, um, A force inside of them that changed everything about them. And to a man and to a woman, they give 100% glory and responsibility for the ministry in their life to this change of the Holy Spirit and not to themselves. I find that so encouraging and so invigorating that it just drives deep in me a desire for more of Him. And it is my prayer for you as we go through these, especially this week, building this foundation, that that same desire will be in you. But today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Oswald Chambers. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Oswald Chambers. He's best known for that classic devotional, My Upmost for His Highest. What we don't know about Oswald Chambers is the fact that he didn't really write the book. He was simply a a preacher of of the gospel. He was an artist and he went to the university. First of all, he was born in 1874 and went to a university to study art. And while he was there, he got saved. And once he got saved, he realized God was calling him into the ministry. And so he decided to go almost miraculously, to this small Bible college called Danoon College near Glasgow, where the minister, Reverend Duncan McGregor, basically would take in 30 students as residential students in his house and teach them what it meant to follow Christ and teach them about the Holy Spirit and prepare them for ministry. Oswald Chambers followed him in that, and while he was there, he came to an understanding of what this Holy Spirit was all about, this endowment of power from on high, this this infusion of power for service, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Oswald Chambers says he wants it more than anything. I will read to you from his diary in just a second. He met a woman he, uh, World War I broke out. He volunteered with the YMCA. He was sent to Cairo, Egypt to minister to troops there. He preached to them, and he spoke to them. And he didn't do much writing at that time, but his wife was trained in shorthand. And so every time he would preach and every time he would teach, she would take shorthand, almost verbatim, of everything he said. At the age of 43, he had a ruptured appendix in Cairo, Egypt, and he died. His wife stayed there until the end of the war, and she spent the rest of her life—she died in the 60s—spent the rest of her life transcribing his sermons and creating the books that we know now attributed to him. My utmost for his highest, that 365-day profound (laughs) devotional that has literally changed my life, is really just a composite summary of many of the statements he made in his sermons and his messages. And it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this event that he's going to describe to you that really changed everything about Oswald Chambers' life. Let me read to you from his diary when he's realizing his need for the Holy Spirit and his desire for the Holy Spirit while he was in Denoon College. Here's what he says. I was in Denoon College as a tutor in philosophy, he recalled, when Dr. F.B. Meyer, who was very big in the Keswick movement at that time, came and spoke about the Holy Spirit. I determined to have all that was going, and I went into my room and asked God simply and definitely for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever that meant. Oswald Chambers didn't even know what it means. You may be in the same situation. I don't even know what I'm asking for, but I know there's something out there that I want. He goes on, from that day on for four years— Nothing but the overruling grace of God and kindness of friends kept me out of an asylum. Why? Because I desired something greater than I had, and it hasn't happened yet. He continues, God used me during those years for the conversion of souls, but I had no conscious communion with Him. The Bible was the dullest, most uninteresting book in existence, and the sense of depravity and vileness and bad motiveness in my nature was terrific. I see now God was taking me by the light of the Holy Spirit and His Word through every ramification of my being." The last three months of those years reached a climax. I was getting very desperate. Listen to this. I knew no one who had what I wanted. In fact, I did not know what I did want. But I knew that if I had all there was of Christianity right now, then the thing was a fraud. And then Luke 11.13 got hold of me. And by the way, this seems to be the pattern. God takes a particular verse, and God changes your life with that verse, and all of a sudden it's through that verse that you experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. For Oswald Chambers, it was Luke 11.13. For me, personally, it was the verse I shared with you Sunday, Jude 24. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, thank you, Lord, and present you faultless before the presence of His glory in exceeding joy, and then the doxology. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. For Oswald Chambers, it was Luke 11.13, which is the very verse that I shared with you two weeks ago as we talked about the Holy Spirit. It says this, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Matthew said it's good gifts. Luke defines those good gifts, gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Here's what Oswald Chambers said about that verse, but how could I bad motivated as I was, possibly asked for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then it was born in me that I had to claim the gift from God on the authority of Jesus Christ and testify in faith having done so. But the thought came, if you claim the gift of the Holy Spirit on the word of Jesus Christ and testify to it, God will make it known to those who know you best how bad you are in heart and I was not willing to be a fool for Christ's sake. But those of you who know the experience know very well how God brings one to the point of utter despair. And I got to the place where I did not care whether everyone knew how bad I was. I cared for nothing on earth saving to get out of my present condition. And at that point of despair, Oswald Chambers tells us his particular experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which will be different from yours, which was different for D.L. Moody, which was different for Amy Carmichael, and different for Andrew Murray, and different from everybody else who has experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But let me read to you what he says. At a little meeting held during a mission in Danune— A well-known lady was asked to take the after-meeting. as kind of a small group afterglow. She did not speak, but set us to prayer and then sang, touch me again, Lord. I felt nothing. I knew emphatically my time had come and I rose to my feet. I had no vision of God, only a sheer dogged determination to take God at his word and to prove this thing for myself. And I stood up and said so. And that was bad enough, but what followed was ten times worse. After I sat down, the lady worker who knew me well said, That is very good of our brother. He has spoken like that as an example to the rest of you. I got up again and said, I got up for no one else's sake. I got up for my own sake. Either Christianity is a downright fraud, or I have not got hold of the right end of the stick. And then and there... I claimed the gift of the Holy Spirit and dogged committal on Luke 11:13. 13. In other words, he took it on faith, just like we do salvation. I don't remember if you recall when I preached a series of sermons, I guess it was early last spring on how to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit comes to you on faith. Just like salvation comes to you on faith, not by an ecstatic experience, not by some sort of esoteric feeling, but simply on faith, on the authority of God's Word, which is exactly what Oswald Chambers is saying here. He continues, I had no vision of heaven or of angels. I had nothing. I was as dry and empty as ever, had no power or realization of God, no witness of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Then I was asked to speak in a meeting, and 40 souls came out to the front. In their terminology, 40 people gave their life to Christ. Did I praise God? No, I was terrified and left him to the workers and went to Mr. McGregor, who was a friend at that time, and told him what had happened. And he said, Do you remember claiming the Holy Spirit as a gift on the word of Jesus? And that he said, You shall receive power? this is the power from on high. It has been manifested—I'm not reading now, this is me—it was manifested by the Spirit moving through him and not necessarily like with D.L. Moody, feeling these waves and waves and waves of love to the point where he told the Lord he had to stay his hand lest he dies. Because God deals with every one of us differently but he will give us an assurance and a confirmation that we are fully in him. Continues. Then, like a flash of something happened inside of me, and I saw that I had been wanting power in my own hand, so to speak, that I might say, Look, what I have been putting all, all my all on the altar, and look what God has done. If the four previous years had been hell on earth, really? That's how he's describing his longing for the Holy Spirit. He now testifies these five years since that event have truly been heaven on earth. Glory be to God. The last aching abyss of the human heart is filled to overflowing with the love of God. Love is the beginning. Love is the middle. And love is the end. After he comes in, all you see is Jesus only, Jesus ever. And then he continues and closes. When you know what God has done for you, The power of sin is gone, and the radiant, unspeakable emancipation of the indwelling Christ has come. And when you see men and women who should be princes and princesses with God bound up by the show of things, oh, you begin to understand what the apostle meant when he said he wished himself accursed from Christ that men might be saved. This is the testimony Of Oswald Chambers as he came to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. His work and his life speak volumes of the fact that something happened to him. And he tells us it is this very event, this assurance of God working in him, that changed his life. It was a fullness and a a baptism and an impartation of power separate and after his conversion and he waited four years for it. D.L. Moody waited a period of time for it and had to suffer the consequence between that time of the Great Chicago Fire. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to ask? Because sometimes God answers immediately, and sometimes God puts a, a time of seasoning between the request and the blessing. But all I'm asking you to do today and especially tomorrow, we'll have to look at Andrew Murray tomorrow since there's no time today, is to to believe and understand that there could be, there possibly could be. I believe there is. I hope there is. I have faith that there is, and I'm asking for it, a deeper spiritual intimacy with Christ through the Holy Spirit that you have right now that the abundant life is greater than a seesaw up and down life that most of us live. And if it is, and if it's true, I want that life. I want that life. Lord, if there's something more to my relationship with you than I currently have, I want it all if that's where you're at right now, or if you're just mentally moving in that direction with a hunger that God's going to place there, I want you to realize that every one of these people, and I'll not be sharing many more with you, but every one of these people testify to the fact that if God puts a desire in your heart, that God will always fill that desire. I hope this has been a blessing to you today, and I hope you're moving beyond maybe what you're comfortable with, and just entertaining the thought that God is bigger than I I can imagine. And if so, I want it all. Because if so, there are some incredible days ahead for you. I pray you have a wonderful day this Tuesday, and I will uh, talk with you again tomorrow. Until then.